It's time for the Hokie Hour on the Tim Donnelly Show on the WRAD Talk Network. Now from the Mockadoo Studio, here's Tim Donnelly. Welcome back. Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley. I'm going to start treating the New River Valley like Ohio State treats, treats their own college, right? When they're doing their little introductions. Joey Bosa, the Ohio State University. I'm going to start treating the New River Valley like that. Talk of the New River Valley. I mean, is there any other New River Valley, though? Doesn't matter, even if there was. I mean, there's actually, I guess there's no other Ohio State, but still. The. the. Oh, yeah, the New River Valley. That's that. I'm, I'm going to start doing that. Let's treat, treat everything like it's the. Ohio State tried to trademark the. The. The, the word. Depending on how you pronounce it, the the that would be like I don't understand why in the world. You so would do so that. I think it's because they failed, they weren't allowed to do that. I think that the New River Valley should start me the New River Valley. Okay. We are the talk of the New River. Are Valley. we going to trademark the? No, because no one can, no <laughs> one can stop us from saying the New River Valley. Could you imagine if they did and like? They had to get, they got royalties when people like every time, know, like a song had the in the title, like a they, fraction of a cent. Like that would be like insane. Hey, it'd be good business. Um, either way, uh, this is the the talk of the New River Valley 101.7, 103.5, 1460 a.m. as well. Live inside the Mockadoo studio, the guest Mockadoo studio. Can't you can't use it for everything? Ah, okay. Mockadoo's has their own stuff, right? It you know, just to be here, all that kind of stuff. Uh, do the do's. Uh, they they have their their right, my the, the stuff that they roll with. You can't overdo it. I guess. Um, we'll, we'll 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 get there. We'll get something for him. We're in the Mockadoo's studio. Uh, guests and callers <laughs> join us on the Baker Team Hotline five four zero six three nine four nine zero zero. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the for everything. Every you know? time I say the, it's like the. Um, let's go ahead and get you covered. Basically, what we do here is we make sure that any conversation that you may stumble your way into, you have a talking point on it. You, you know the biggest stories in sports, so you're never out of the loop when it comes to your friends that follow sports religiously. Uh, we do it for you. We follow sports religiously, so you don't have to. Uh, when we come back, we will get into Hokie Hour. There's a bit of Hokie news inside the, uh, inside the Got You Covered, and we'll obviously dive in further right after this. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. And we'll start by getting you covered with a little ACC basketball action, starting with the hometown Hokies dropping their second consecutive game in conference, this one on the road at Miami. And uh, it's starting to look like maybe this team is hitting a bit of a wall. Uh, The Hokies started off the season tremendously exceeding expectations, And now, over the last four games, they've been playing to the expectations that we had for them at the beginning of the season. Competitive in most games, not necessarily pulling them off. Of their last four games, the only win they were able to secure is against a a very, very underperforming University of North Carolina team, and they needed two overtimes to get that victory. So, So Virginia Tech coming back to earth a bit. Um, They spoiled us, they played above expectations, and now we're having to come back to earth uh, with a vengeance. But I will say this, uh, caution against blaming the freshmen. Oh, it's the freshmen hitting the freshman wall. Against Miami, the three returning players that played a role on last year's team, the team that made it to the Sweet 16, Wabisabidi, P.J. Horn, and Isaiah Wilkins, 
They played 87 minutes combined, took 21 shots, making just four, good for a little over 19%, scored just 12 points, and combined for seven of the team's 12 turnovers. So this team as a whole is hitting a bit of a wall, not just the freshmen. If you look at the the UVA game uh, last night, and you can call it the UVA game because they won against number five ranked Florida State. The defending national champions had a rabbit in their hat last night, beating what I would consider a much more impressive to this point in the season Florida State team, 61-56. And they did it on the heels of their main contributors. Mamadi Diakite, Braxton Key, and Kihei Clark scored 19 points, 13 points, and 15 points respectively. The rest of the team scored 14 combined. So when when UVA gets major contributions from their three quote-unquote stars – they can beat anyone in the country, including Florida State. Elsewhere in the ACC, Duke on their way to a win in Pittsburgh had a bit of a, a drama-filled night because their coach, Coach K, decided to meddle in the fans' operations. After hearing the, the fans chant, Jeff Capel, sit with us, saying that Jeff Capel, the head coach of Pittsburgh, who is a former player and assistant coach at Duke, would rather have been sitting in the fan section of Duke because he's a Duke guy, Uh, Coach K misheard it, uh, apparently, and decided to go absolutely berserk at the student section, having to be held back by a referee before letting out a few very big shut-ups to his own fans. How about this? He later apologized, by the way, saying he misheard it and and all these other things. Um, How about this? Worry about coaching your team. The, the other team's coach, he's a big boy. He's an adult. He can handle himself, even if the fans get a little personal with their chanting from the stands. Uh, the Astros, uh, let's move on to another sport. The Astros look like they are appearing to be hiring Dusty Baker for their vacant managerial position. It's an un- uninspired hire. I'm not sure how many uh, wins he will propel them to above and beyond what an average manager would give them. But he's run the Giants, Cubs, Reds, and Nationals in his career. And and by all accounts, he's run them as a good guy. And that is what is needed in Houston, more so than anything right now. A 70-year-old, grandfatherly type that can get them back on track morally after a a cheating scandal. Uh, Elsewhere in college basketball, two Miami of Ohio games have been canceled due to the Uh, perhaps appearance of the coronavirus on campus. A a student that had recently traveled to China has been showing symptoms, and because of that and the contagious nature uh, of that disease, they have canceled two of the Miami of Ohio games, one men and one women's basketball uh, game. I'll just put it this way. I'm terrified of really contagious stuff. I've seen a MRSA virus go through an athletic program like nobody's business. So so I'm all for canceling class, canceling games, sending everybody home, putting them in a bubble. Until this virus gets gets absolutely eradicated from campus, uh, I'm fine with Miami of Ohio being extra, extra, extra cautious. Uh, when it comes to Kobe, there's now a petition out there with over half a million signatures uh, d- petitioning to change the NBA logo to be a silhouette of Kobe rather than a silhouette of Jerry West. And I am actually all in on this one. Use it as a reminder to drive and focus on your goals the way Kobe did. And also, Jerry West, who he would be replacing, has actually been almost as influential as an executive as he was as a player during his playing career. And guess what? Maybe the best move he has made as an executive is he traded for Kobe Bryant when he was running the Lakers. So it almost is like it's coming full circle. That is Gotch Covered here on the Tim Donnelly Show, WRAD. Um, 
Let's talk Virginia Tech. It's hokey hour. What else are we going to do? Uh, Virginia Tech lost to Miami last night. It makes the, the last four games um, a, bit of, a bit of a bummer, right? The only win they've gotten is against the down-and-out um, North Carolina team. Took two overtimes to get there. Three losses. Last two losses to Boston College and Miami. Two teams that on paper it would say Virginia Tech should have been better than. Right? Their, their resumes up until game time said that, that Virginia Tech should have been better than. So basically, um, they may have spoiled us early in this season. Right? Our expectations coming into the season, they were picked to finish 14th in the ACC. Right? Our expectations coming into the season were that this Virginia Tech team would be in a full-on rebuild mode. Right? Uh, they would be a bottom feeder in the ACC. Early this year, they very much were not that. Right? They, they won games on the road in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Landers Nolly was, was one of the you know, few very, very good teams in the <laughs> one of the few very, very good teams within the, the Atlantic Coast Conference. So, so here's the deal. I think they may have been punching above their weight class, as I like to say. They may have spoiled us a bit, and now we're getting what they actually are, which includes freshman mistakes, but also veteran mistakes. I pointed this out on my Twitter earlier this morning. Uh, it is tempting to look at this Virginia Tech team and say losses to Boston College, losses to, to Miami. Oh, it's these freshmen. Right? That's tempting. Oh, these freshmen. They oh they're they're falling back to earth. They're hitting the rookie wall. But it's hard to say that when you look at the three guys that aren't freshmen that are in the rotation. Uh, P.J. Horn, Wabisabidi, and Isaiah Wilkins. They played 87 minutes, took 21 shots, made just four of them. It's 19% in change. 87 minutes, 12 points. Those three guys, granted they played a ton of minutes, but they combined for seven of the 12 turnovers that, that the Hokies had. So it, it truly has been this full team, not just the freshmen, not just the veterans, coming down to earth. So we readjust our expectations once again, right? When you start off the way they started off in the Atlantic Coast Conference, you readjust your expectations up. Now they're, they're showing us that maybe we put cart before horse a bit, right? Maybe Mike Young got this team to gel so quickly and, and there wasn't really a, a scouting report out on them. They took advantage of being the new kids on the block. And now that there's a bit more film and a bit more you know, identification of what they do well and not well, uh, teams are taking advantage of that. One thing that we didn't take into account is, is that there is an extremely amount of, uh, extreme amount of new blood on this Virginia Tech basketball team. Right? No one had seen Landers Nolly since, since high school. No one had seen Tyrese Radford since high school. No one had seen Hunter Couture maybe at all, even in the scouting process, with the fact that he was a very unheralded recruit. Jalen Cohn was a junior in high school the last time anyone else saw him. So, so there is an element of everyone that they played was getting a, a complete mystery box, 
now that you've played 20 games, the, the mystery is out, right? Teams now have seen you on film. In many cases, they've played you once before. So, so it's going to be a tough go-around for the Hokies. Not to say there weren't, there weren't bright spots, right? Cutting a 22-point lead by the opponent down to four, that's not very freshman. That's not very young. That's not very youthful. That's pretty veteran. Tyrese Radford going for 24 and eight. That's not very young. That's not very youthful, right? That's pretty veteran. So it's not like it was all bad last night. It's just that the final score indicates that the Hokies still have a long way to go. We'll talk about what they have to do to get back on the winning side of things when we come back. More Hokie Hour next right here, Tim Donnelly Show. Got something to say? Why don't you just say it? Call in now, 540-639-4900. Say what? Bring your opinion. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. But be sure you can back it up. Back this thing up. Calm down, we're backing. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. We are continuing to talk about the Virginia Tech loss to Miami last night. Um, you know, th- this one's actually surprising to me because it seems like teams are just now discovering that, uh, that, that Virginia Tech is at a height disadvantage. Now, let, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, last night, Miami, especially in the first half, pounded the ball to Rodney Miller. He is a, a giant, right? Seven foot tall. Gave Virginia Tech fits in the first half on the offensive and defensive side. After the game, Mike Young was asked during the post-game press conference uh, about the, the height advantage that, that Miami used in the first half to gain their big lead, and he said, everybody we play is going to have a height advantage. Nothing we haven't seen. I just thought they were a lot quicker than we were. You give up 44 points in the first half. My team has been pretty darn good throughout defensively, and you give up 44 points. They just drove us, came off dribble handoffs, hot, and, and were – and we were to it and flying. Our connectivity was poor. Certainly, even without Chris Likes, uh, they have some kids that can score the ball. It was disappointing, and they clearly outplayed us for the first 20 minutes. It, it's funny that he, he writes it off saying, you know, everyone's going to have a height advantage over us. Everyone has had a height advantage over us, essentially, right? Nothing we haven't seen. When, in actuality, it's true, right? I mean, you go back and listen to the 105.3 the Bear Tailgate shows that I did earlier in the season, going back to game number one, the entire time I'm saying, this team has a height advantage over Virginia Tech. The one thing that Virginia Tech will have to overcome this basketball season is their lack of height down low. Can they trust true freshman, very, very raw player, John Ogiaco, to go into the game and give them minutes on the defensive end against players that have size? Uh, it turns out that he's been fouling a lot, as young raw players do. So, so, I mean, it's been identified at least from Hokie Nation as a flaw in the construction of this roster. Nobody's fault. Mike Young had to put together this roster on the absolute fly, right? He was trying to fix the engine while driving 80 miles an hour down the highway when he took this job. So, so it, it's nobody's fault, but it was obvious that this team's height advantage, or excuse me, height disadvantage, was going to be a hurdle that they had to overcome. And I was actually surprised how little of a storyline it was over the first 15 games of this season. Right, And Mike Young saying, listen, we've been out-heighted all year. And he's not wrong. They've been out-heighted 
all year. But it's almost like opposing teams are just now figuring it out, saying like, oh, if we give Miller and Wardenberg the ball, they're 6, 10, and 7 feet, uh, they'll get 11 and 9 and 9 and 6, and and we'll be well on our way. So what took opposing teams this long? So, so it's almost like the Hokies stole, you know, 15 games before their biggest flaw was put on blast. And now it's about how they deal with that flaw, right? Do they have to start actively preparing John Ogiaco to play a bigger role and and maybe even having him play significantly restrained to make sure he doesn't foul because having a 6'10 player on the floor for spurts is more important than getting that one extra rebound or that one extra block in the first couple of minutes he's on the floor. Right, Tyrese Radford has been one of my favorite surprises this year because he's six foot one, but he rebounds like a big. He's essentially playing power forward for the Hokies at just over six feet tall. Again, eight rebounds last night. Can that truly be the the band aid you put on the lack of height for the Hokies? Because now that that teams like Miami, teams like Boston College, um, you know, you go back a few other games this season. Now that that's been been put out there into the world when the next coach, when Florida State's Leonard Hamilton is watching film leading up to their game this Saturday, he is going to go to his bigs and say, I need big games out of y'all. And if and Florida State has, has been this way for a decade, but they're going to have height and wingspan. They always do. They have a type in the players that they recruit. So, so PJ Horn, 6'5, playing the five. Can you ask more of him? Landers Nolly, 6'7, perimeter player. Can you ask more of him from playing in the post? John Ogiaco, can you expect that raw, talented freshman to be able to rein it in and give you more minutes? Guys like Beatty, guys like Couture, obviously Cone at his height, they're not going to be able to give you much by the way of post help outside of being the second guy on double teams and swiping at balls when when the opposing team's bigs bring it below their waist. That's what they bring to the table. To me, the story of the rest of the season for the Hokies Right, you, you can adjust your expectations however you see fit. If now you're all in on making the NIT or if uh, if you're okay with this team being full rebuild and not making a postseason, you can change your, your expectations however you want. The story that I'm going to watch is how this team adjusts towards one of their flaws being exposed. Even if it wasn't exposed a month ago, even if no team was really twisting the knife on that flaw Three weeks ago, now they are. Right, Every team you play, you're going to have a height uh, disadvantage. It's an obstacle that you're going to have to overcome. But saying I can't is not good enough. And and I like what Mike Young is doing there. Again, I'm driving the Mike Young bandwagon. Nothing we haven't seen. It's true. It is nothing they haven't seen. But that doesn't make it A-OK, right? It's it's still something that got got them in the first half. 
And I expect them to address it at practice, and I expect them to move on. I expect Kavea Luma, right, guy that's transferring or redshirting due to a transfer, expect him to be a, a great scout team player and play big like these guys they're going to see uh, in ACC contests. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, time for our favorite segment of Hokie Hour. Time for Hashtag Hokies next. Welcome back in. Tim Donnelly Show, Talk of the New River Valley. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Makadoo studio. Guests and callers, join us on the Baker team hotline. That is 540-639-4900. 540-639-4900, the Baker team hotline. It is time for our favorite segment of Hokie Hour. We do it every day at about this time. It is time for Hashtag Hokies. Hashtag Hokies is real simple. We go deep into the underbelly of the internet. We find the tweets that we want to have uh, conversations about. We drag them out of the darkness that is Twitter and into the light to have those conversations right here on the Tim Donnelly Show. The first hashtag Hokie of the day comes from at Hokies MC. Spelled like the letters MC, not... Like MC Hammer? Yeah. Spelled like MC Hammer, but... Like not like E M C E E, like you're emceeing an event, right? Uh, like Hokies, M as in Michael, C as in Carter. Whenever I I hear <laughs> M C, I always think of the letters anyway. Okay, well there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I spent so much time spelling out that person's Twitter account, but but hey, credit where credit is due. Uh, he said, "I never believed in the tournament. I just want the extra practice that comes with postseason play. Nit would probably give us home games, so that'd be fun." I, I respect this take, right? Because because um, it allows you to to stay level headed, right? We all know where our expectations were for this basketball team coming into the season, right? Before the season, I wouldn't have believed the NCAA tournament was a realistic possibility for the Hokies. Now I, like many fans, allowed my expectations to increase as the season went along. As the Hokies won ACC games, right? as they beat Syracuse on the road, as they opened their season up with a big game against Clemson, as they won games, I allowed myself to, to say, you know what, the NCAA tournament is a possibility. Then to, you know what, if they keep this up, they will play in the NCAA tournament. To then, you know what, they could finish in the top five in the ACC top six in the ACC, which for me would have been a guaranteed berth in the NCAA tournament. But if, if Hokies MC was able to never raise his expectations or her expectations, that is completely their right, right? If, if you believe that it was all fool's gold, then, then go ahead and do you. But I hope that you actually believed that it was fool's gold, right? I, I hope that you had a reason for thinking that what was going on wasn't going to last. Because if you are keeping expectations low just to prevent yourself from disappointment, then then that's something that I would caution against, right? Looking at our next hashtag, Hokies, it comes from at true underscore dat, D-A-T, two. Uh, they say, I get the whole if you had told me we would be five and five argument, but come on. When we were 5-3 and three with games against BC and Miami, 
who would have been or who have been getting blown out by almost everyone. I was not expecting five and five. I'm disappointed, but it's okay. Let's beat FSU. These are two kind of contrasting opinions, right? And both are okay. I'm not here here to, to rant and rave against either of them. I'm here just to make sure that fans stay fans, right? Now, now let me explain this. I feel like this whole receipts nature and this, this strange desire by fan bases to rail against anyone that is even halfway negative about a team makes it so everybody is just, um, they're worried too much, right? Because here's the thing. Have you heard of this, uh, the, this Twitter account, Old Takes Exposed? Uh, is it like where they go back and they kind of invalidate old points? What, what they do is if you tweet out if you tweet out that Joe Burrow is going to be a bust, they they bookmark everyone that says Joe Burrow is going to be a bust, like thousands and thousands of tweets, right? Oh wow, mostly from media members, right? They're trying to I guess hold media members accountable. I've been caught up by old takes exposed. Uh, I didn't think Tyler Hero. Uh, at Kentucky was that good of a player. Didn't think he'd be a first-round pick. Put that out on a tweet, and then uh, at the end of the year, he ended up being drafted and actually had has had a very good young career with the Heat, and, and every time he has like a 50-point game or a 30-point game, whatever it is, Old Takes Exposed is back retweeting my tweet from a billion years ago. <laughs> um, and, and, and that happens. But I want to make sure fans aren't – making sure that they keep their expectations significantly lower than they want them to be because they don't want someone to go back and say, you thought this team was good. Oh my gosh. You thought this team was good. And they're now, they lost their last five. What an idiot. It's like, wait, 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 wait. And this is coming from a fan. This isn't even really what I can do because I consider myself a member uh, of the media, and I have to be a, a bit more educated. But if uh, fans are supposed to get carried away, fans are supposed to go. We're five and three in the ACC with Boston College and Miami up next. Come on, guys! Should I book my tickets to the NCAA tournament now? Right, my my friends. I be, I have a lot of friends that are big sports fans, right? And most of them, you know probably would, would, would like to be doing something similar to what I'm doing, but, uh, you know, decided to go make money with their career instead. And, and they're, you know, in a cubicle somewhere, cash and checks. Um, but, but when their teams start doing well, or when their teams make a couple off-season signings, they, they will legit tell you, like, am I really going to let myself get carried away with this team again? Am I really going to let myself get sucked into to this, this again where I raise my expectations? And I know as soon as they start asking that question, they're already on board. Already 100% sign me up. Right? I'm, I'm a Mets fan, which means I have a lot of experience in being disappointed, right? Um, <laughs> which is just, it comes with the territory of being a Mets fan. But I, I have a, a buddy who's still up in New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey for a while. Huge Mets fan. To the point where, like, he's monitoring minor league statistics. He's, he's you know, following guys that they drafted in the 13th round five years ago. And every once in a while, he'll text me and say, like, he'll give me a name. And he'll say, 
Expect this guy to be called up to the majors sometime this year. He's an absolute beast. He's an absolute stud. And do you know what I, I do and he does? We go, he's going to be the one to change everything. He's going to be the guy. He's the next Piazza. You latch on to it. And of course we do. And, and we get excited. And when he gets called up, every hit, we're sending each other gifs, gifs, right? We're, we're, we're talking about it. We're getting excited because we're fans. And then do you know what inevitably happens every single time? Disappointment. They, he gets hurt. Uh, he ends up not being that good. He ends up becoming really good and then uh, leaves in free agency and goes somewhere else. Um, you know, there, there's a billion things that could happen there. But the moment I stop getting excited about those new guys is the moment I no longer consider myself a Mets fan. Right? The moment I'm keeping my expectations artificially low just so I can avoid disappointment is, is the moment that I don't think I'm strong enough to be a sports fan. If you are a, a, a hokey football fan and you're going into next year saying, as long as we're bowl eligible, I'm fine, just so you don't have to deal with the disappointment of not winning 10 games, what are we doing here? Right? If, if you are a, uh, a business you have to be honest with your stockholders, right? You have to say, this is what we expect to make in the next fiscal year. This is what we expect to close in quarter three. You have to be honest because there's business things, right? But you're, if you're a fan, you're not the CEO of a business. You don't have to under-promise and over-deliver. Get excited. Who the heck wants to get in a conversation as a fan and go, yeah, you know, I'm really stoked for this year, really excited. I think we're going to have a great team. Really, how good? Well, uh, six, seven games. Like, if you're a Hokie basketball fan and, and you tapped down all of your enthusiasm over the first 20 games of the season just so you can say, I told you so, now when they've started downturning, guess what? You missed 20 games of a whole bunch of fun being a Debbie Downer. You missed 20 games of, of getting jacked up with a team that was playing really well. Just waiting for the other shoe to drop so no one will be able to look back at you and say, you thought this team was good? It's like, they were playing well, and I was having fun. Get off my back. Be a fan, man. Let's take a break. When we come back, Hokies football coaches are all over the state of Texas right now. Uh, what does that say about their recruiting efforts? Stick around. Hokie news. Hashtag Hokies. ACC news. A team like Duke who went on to lose to everybody by a billion. An opinion. This year is finally the year where this program is without a doubt. Justin Fuente's program. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show back on the talk of the New River Valley. WRAD 101.7, 103.5, and 1460 AM as well. About 15 minutes away from welcoming Bill Roth onto the program. It's part of the Roth Report here on WRAD. Looking forward to that conversation. Um, in the meantime, the Hokies football coaches have, 
uh, taking over the state of Texas? I, I don't know. We've seen them uh, ping up at high schools all over in the, the Houston area. I wish we had them like, uh, <laughs> you know, the trackers that uh, uh, like marine biologists put on sharks where where they don't always know where they are. It's like pings. But where they ping up on different beaches, suddenly we get an update on, wh- on where they are. It's like, oh, pinged outside. Put Mark- like an ankle uh, bracelet on uh, Fuente. <laughs> pinged outside uh, Cape Cod, pinged it at, at, at Ocean City, New Jersey, pinged down in Florida, wherever it is, these giant great whites. Um, I, I wish we had that because, because actually we kind of do have that with Twitter, I guess. Um, we've seen coaches ping up uh, high schools all over Houston, high schools in, in Austin, right, all over um, the state of Texas, and offers are pouring out, right? Uh, they're visiting all uh, commitments from this past class or this this class that is um, has already had the early signing day and has the regular signing day coming up, guys like Alec Bryant, guys like Robert Wooten. Uh, they're stopping in to say hi while passing out um, – uh, offers all over the state of Texas, which shows that Texas to VT, hashtag TX to VT, uh, the movement that that Bo Davidson kind of piloted and and now everyone's getting involved in. Bill Tierlink's down in Houston. Justin Fuente's down in Houston. Obviously, uh, Davidson has his connections in, in, in Texas. It's real. And, and it's not that that you know they did something out of ordinary for the 2020 class because they felt they needed to here's here's the here's the most interesting offer i saw the most interesting scholarship offer over the last few days and and this trek down to texas by the virginia tech hokies coaching staff uh connor wegman quarterback for bridgeland high school in harris county texas he tweeted he received an offer from Virginia Tech, which is not unusual, right? It's become part of recruiting protocol that when you receive an offer really from any school, even if you're committed to a different school, if you get an offer from a particular school, you tweet out usually something along the lines of blessed to receive an offer from XYZ school, XYZ university, university of XYZ, right? It's like, a, like a courtesy thing. I mean, I don't know. It's also, you know, guys like getting their social media count up. and Like, hey, look at me. And when you say, blessed to receive an offer from Virginia Tech, suddenly you get 100 new followers that all have Hokie in their screen name. Um, which, you know, kids do you, right? You're 17, 18 years old. Get your follower count up. Make yourself feel important. I'm fine with it. I'm not knocking that. But they do it, right? So Connor Wigman, uh, quarterback for Bridgeland High School in Harris County, Texas, tweeting out that he received an offer from Virginia Tech, not notable in and of itself, right? It's a, a player in a talent-rich area, Virginia Tech has coaches in the area, and they extended an offer. The thing that that surprised me about the tweet is that he called it his first offer. Traditionally, talent in, in talent-rich areas does not go undiscovered, right? If, if there is someone in the 757 that's showing talent, Virginia Tech should be pretty early to offer because nothing should be sliding under their noses in their own state in a talent-rich area, right? Someone in Richmond that shows a high amount of ability, potential upside, and athletic ability as a sophomore shouldn't be a surprise to Virginia Tech, right? They should be one of the first to offer, if not the first to offer. So the fact that Virginia Tech is going into Texas and being the first school 
to offer a prospect at a high-profile position like quarterback in a high-profile, talent-rich area like the areas they're recruiting in Texas is, is surprising to me. And it shows that they're not only up there trophy fish hunting like I said yesterday. Right? It, it, I believed originally that the only reason they would go to Texas is to find difference makers. Right? They were going down there to find high four stars and, and super studs. That's what they were looking for. But if they're being the first to offer, then they're trying to create a pipeline where they can get everything from role players to stars to difference makers to uh, specialists to just about everything. Right? They're beating Texas and Baylor and Texas A&M and TCU, and UTEP, and North Texas. They're beating those schools to offering kids in Texas. This is not some small thing where they're just trying to go down there and get the icing on on top of the cake in each class. They're not just looking for cherries. They're looking for, for the meat and potatoes. This is going to be one of the few things that defines the next couple of years for Justin Fuente as the head coach of Virginia Tech. And hopefully it comes out fruitful. How much how how much fruit does does do these efforts bear? They're spending a lot of time on it. Being the first to offer is the most time consuming. Right? You got to make sure everyone else doesn't know something that you don't. You got to do all of your due diligence. Can't depend on anyone else. So it's it's interesting. This Texas to VT movement is is interesting moving forward. Um, but but it could be a huge asset for the Hokies, right? Uh, every school has their pipeline in-state, and then they have certain other hotbeds that they do well recruiting. If Virginia Tech can turn Texas into that, which it's not quite yet, right? Two guys does not a movement make. But if they can turn it into a movement, then then maybe this will have some, some lasting effects for the Hokies. If not, then, well, Houston, we may have a problem. How long were you waiting to make that joke? All segment long. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Roth Report here on WRAD. 